Mark Twain once said, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. He's right, but you might still want to write it down like he did. 28 books. How many trees? One convicted Arkansas man might know. Jamie Edmondson was making headway in the lumber game. 27 trees, white oak and walnut. Where they came from is more important. A federally protected piece of real estate. He'd been visiting the forests in southwestern Missouri to chop trees in the forest named after Mark Twain, famous author of Huckleberry Finn. Enough to print that book a thousand times over. A park ranger was suspicious and caught Edmondson with a camera. $40,000 in total. Depredation. He might go away for 10 years. The truth will out. That's true now. But when Christ comes, all will come to light. Praise the Lord. Believers in Jesus have nothing to hide. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called Getting the Gospel Right. Moralistic, therapeutic, deism. Ever heard of that? Sounds more like a health diagnosis, but in some ways, it is indeed a diagnosis. It was coined by sociologist Christian Smith a decade and a half ago, and it was a way for him to describe a quasi-religious belief system that was held by many young people in North America who believed that if they were just good enough, God would take them to heaven. Sadly, moralistic, therapeutic deism has crept into the church where many believe Jesus came to help us live our best lives now, and if we're good enough, he'll love us and save us. But does the Bible teach this moralistic belief? How is one made right with God? What did Jesus really come to do for his people? In a moment, we're going to look to God's Word to see how we so easily confuse the moral law with the good news of Jesus Christ. He doesn't exist just to help us. He came to save us from our sins and renew our hearts to glorify Him in all we do. But if we do, before we realize what He's done, we can land in a heap of trouble. And to help us better understand this concept, we're going to hear some more from the documentary American Gospel, Christ Alone. Better than anything I've seen in a long time, this film exposes the moralistic and prosperity gospels that have crept into Christian thinking over the last few decades. I think it's so important to understand these false teachings. Yes, I'll say it clearly, false teachings. We'll see what the Bible truly teaches about salvation and the good news. Get a copy for yourself by making a gift to the ministry. Or get the five-pack bundle so you can share it with friends and family who need to know the true good news of Jesus Christ. We'll hear testimonies at the end of the program on how God used this movie to save people. It's a great evangelism tool. So after the program, you can call us at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to haventoday.org. Watch a preview of the documentary. You can make your gift there as well. The website again is haventoday.org. And now let's open with a group called I Am They. It's not my life to live It's not my song to sing All I have is here For all 
all eternity It's not my righteousness It's not my faithfulness And all I have is here Haven Today, Getting the Gospel Right is the name of our series this week. I'm Charles Morris, and we opened with Crown Him by I Am They. A.W. Tozer, a 20th century theologian and pastor, once said that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. I could go further. What you think about God when you're alone in your solitude is the most important thing about you. When no one is there to check your answers or make sure that you have the right answer, what do you think of God? And I don't mean what's your opinion of God. We all have opinions, especially if things don't happen to go our way. I mean, what do you think God is like? Who do you think he is? We're in this series, Getting the Gospel Right. And one way we know if we've gotten it right 
is how we think about the Lord. It's also how we've gotten it wrong. Sadly, moralistic, therapeutic deism has crept into the church, where many believe Jesus came to help us live our best lives now, and if we're good enough, he'll love us and save us. But does the Bible teach this moralistic belief? Listen to a little bit with me now from American Gospel, Christ Alone. We want to, first of all, say there's nothing wrong with preaching morality. We certainly don't want to preach the opposite, immorality. But moralistic preaching, or sometimes identified as moralism, is preaching the commands of Scripture or the morals of Scripture and nothing else. Just pretty much saying to people, you be a good person and God will love you for that. And while we do not intend it, that is not just a sub-Christian message, it's actually an anti-Christian message. The messages that just say be good damn people to their pride or to despair. There are really only two possible human responses. One response to a be good message is, been there, done that, checked off that box. The person will believe they can attain it, be the Pharisee, um, and work and work and work and work, or be the Mormon, <laughs> work and work, or the Muslim or the Jehovah's Witness. All of them. <laughs> you'll, you'll try to earn salvation by trying to be a good person. Why do I have to, you know, repent? Why do I have to ask for forgiveness if you're not making mistakes? I work hard. I'm an honorable person. Jesus is walking down the road uh, one day, and a young man comes up to him and says, a Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it sounds like a very safe question. It's actually a landmine. What must I do? to inherit eternal life. It, already it's about performance. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus responds with great wisdom. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he says, you know the commandments. But Joy, then what, but what is the standard of goodness? Be good that, to your neighbor. Don't cheat okay, on your husband. But, don't steal. The, don't lie. Don't steal. Gives them the list of the commands. But in the Bible, God's standard is the Ten Commandments. I'm good on that, too. And the young man immediately says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus just said, only God is good. And two seconds later, what does the young man say? Me, too. In which case, he gives himself the status and the stature of God. It's just pure pride. And by the way, breaks the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods. You've never told a lie before, ever? Oh, what, is that one of the commandments? It's the commandment. Never it's number nine. The gospel isn't what would Jesus do, now go and do that. The gospel is what has Jesus done, now believe that. This distinction between the law and the gospel really is the most important thing to remember, and it's one of the things that we're forgetting. That pattern of God always making sure that we know that relationship comes before obedience, that we do not have a relationship with Him because we obey, we obey because He has made a relationship with us. That is made clear over and over again in the Bible. God says before He ever tells His people what the commands are, I'm the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, now obey me. Now it's critical we understand He didn't say, you obey me and I'll let you out of Egypt. No, He said, I have redeemed you, now here's the safe path for you to walk on. It's the order not just of the Old Testament passages. I mean, all the epistles of the New Testament basically follow that same order. In general, the first half of the epistles of 
Paul, of John, of Peter kind of say, here's what God has done in Christ. Here's how he has saved you. The last half of the epistles, now here's what you should do in response. The moral commands that we should obey are like the railroad tracks for the train, that as the train's going, this is the way that the train's supposed to go. But the gospel is the engine and the fuel that makes the train actually move. And so it does a Christian no good and it does a non-Christian no good to just continue telling them, hey, here's the tracks, now go. But if they have no fuel, if they have no engine, they're just gonna be a train stuck. And there's a lot of Christians, I think, today that are just trains sitting on tracks, being told, go forward, but they're not being given an engine or any fuel to move them forward. From the DVD that we have this week, American Gospel, Christ Alone, there's an old gospel tract that's been around since the 1950s. It was first written by Bill Bright. It's called The Four Spiritual Laws. Campus Crusade for Christ is now known as Crew. Some of our team members have worked for Crew. The Four Spiritual Laws has been used all over the world in many different languages to introduce people to the Lord Jesus. And in that track, there is a powerful image. It's the picture of a chair or a throne. The throne is about who is in charge of the center of your life. And the question is, who's sitting on that throne? Too often today, we are, wouldn't you say? We put ourselves at the center of the world, and we bring God or Christ into our life as we see fit, but only if it makes us feel better about life. We let God in, but only so far. It's a mistake, but we often think God exists just to help us. And if he can't, then we don't have to listen or even relate to him at all. It really is a disease of the heart. And Jeremiah 17 is clear. The heart is desperately sick, desperately in need of healing. But before we can heal our desperately sick hearts, we need to have a diagnosis. And there are three symptoms of this disease. The first is moralism. And when I use that word moralism, I mean the kind of religious obsession with being right and doing right that Jesus criticized when he was here on earth. He told people then they strained at gnats but swallowed a camel. They made sure they always looked holy and righteous, but inside they were rotten, unclean. The religious leaders in Israel at the time were so focused on their behavior that they forgot the Lord's grace, and they completely missed the Lord himself. They thought God was essentially a coach, that the Bible was just basic instructions before leaving planet Earth. When we put ourselves at the center of our lives, when we are the ones sitting on the throne, we begin to believe that we can live righteous lives on our own. Sure, God might have good advice. He might be a good life coach. But at the end of the day, we are capable. It's moralism. It turns salvation into self-achievement. And when we fail, it reveals a second symptom, therapeutic ideas of God. When we mess up, our self-confidence plummets. When we're on the throne or think we are on the throne, and our understanding of God is that he just wants us to do the right things, our failure means we aren't good enough, moral enough. So we treat God as a therapist. We read the Bible just to make ourselves feel better or maybe to soothe our conscience. God becomes more than just a coach. 
he coddles us. When we put ourselves on the throne, we treat God like he exists to serve our needs, to make us feel better about our failures. When we get it wrong, we forget that the Lord is at the center. And that infects how we treat others, too. There's been an explosion of interest in things like mindfulness, self-care, and comfort. Not all of it is bad. Christians are becoming aware of the importance of mental health, the need to be aware of your own boundaries, and the benefit of saying no when your plate is too full. These are good things that we can do. But there's a danger also. The danger is when we subtly put ourselves on that throne— and treat others as if they orbit around us. We value our comfort and our priorities over the sacrificial love we're called to give others. We refuse to do anything or to love anyone that makes us inconvenienced. Our hearts, like Jeremiah told us long ago, are desperately sick and even deceptive. When we're putting ourselves on the throne of our lives, we can even think this is good for us. But it's not. It leads us to view our relationship or any relationship as a quid pro quo. What do I get out of this? But the Lord showed us that true biblical love is nothing like that. Christ freely gave his life, freely sacrificed himself to save us, all at his expense, with nothing that we could give him in return. And that brings me to the third symptom of our heart's disease, deism. The idea that the Lord is more or less uninterested in our day-to-day lives. In our diseased hearts, we place ourselves on the throne. And that leads us to think we can make decisions and live our lives without taking any thought of the Lord. We might bring him in if we think we need help, but day by day we just live and live on our own. Some would say it's essentially living like an atheist. This is the gospel according to our age. A moralistic, therapeutic God who doesn't really care about us. We've turned the kingdom upside down. We are kings and queens. God is our subject. Other people are our servants. It is a disease of our heart first and foremost. And it flies in the face of what Jesus himself said. Not so much with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The true gospel, the gospel according to Jesus Christ, heals us from our disease. It takes us off of our throne and reminds us that in reality we've never been on that throne. It proclaims to us a love that serves and dies on our behalf. It frees us to love others in the same way, to seek their good at our own expense. Our hearts are desperately sick, and the symptoms are so destructive, not only for others, but to ourselves. We are in desperate need, and only the gospel brings us healing. This is what it means to get the gospel right. It means we take ourselves off-center, off the throne, And we turn in faith to Christ. The king who could have simply demanded and forced our obedience. But instead, he came into our mess, into our world. And he served us. And he died in our place. The gospel puts things right for us. Christ is on the throne. He doesn't exist just to help us, but to save us. 
not to soothe our guilty conscience, but to actually cleanse us from our guilt. And he is with us every day. And his spirit is strengthening us as we walk with him. The gospel rescues us from our sickness, this sickness of the heart. And it saves us into a life of love with the Lord of life. Atoning sacrifice, keeper of this life. Hallelujah, you are Savior. Beginning and the end, forgiver of my sin. By your mercy, you have saved us. story. What a savior on Haven Today and a program called Getting the Gospel Right. I'm Charles Morris. It's so important that we understand what the Bible really has to say about the gospel. Is it Christ plus my extra faith or my extra deeds that saves me? Is it Christ plus health and wealth that'll make me truly happy in this life? If you are asking yourself similar questions, or if you know someone who doesn't understand the gospel as defined by the Bible, then you need to watch and then share the documentary that we've been hearing, American Gospel, Christ Alone. This movie takes a hard look at American moralistic Christianity and the Word of Faith movement. But more than that, it conveys the true, life-transforming gospel of salvation through grace by faith in Christ alone. Take a listen to this testimony from a life changed by watching this documentary. I thought I was good, that I just needed to work harder and, and be moral and God will help me to achieve my dreams. All the while, 
I didn't truly know him and serve him and I was hardened to the biblical gospel. But by the grace of God, through true gospel proclamation, like what's in this documentary, God opened up the eyes of my heart to see my sin against him and, and he gave me a heart to hate it and empowered me to turn from it to Christ. I could be right with God and know him and enjoy communion with him forever. A life changed from watching the American Gospel, Christ Alone documentary, a DVD that's a great tool that you can use to share the gospel with others around you. And to help you do that, we've put together a bundle of five of these DVDs that you can easily give away for a minimum gift to the ministry. Or if you just make a gift of any amount to Haven today, we'll send you a single DVD of American Gospel, Christ Alone. Just call us now, and the number to call is 800-654-2836. Our number once again is 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the preview we've posted online. You can make your gift there, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And just before we go, let me remind you about our new podcast called Great Stories, featuring longer and fuller interviews with guests we've had on the program. And this week, we're talking with Costi Hinn. Yes, the nephew of a famous health and wealth evangelist. He shares how he came out of the prosperity gospel and found true faith in Jesus Christ. You can listen at haventoday.org or look for great stories with Charles Morris wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we get to share together the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you were to see Jesus walking down the road, what would you say? Maybe you would join your voice with those two blind men from Matthew 9 and cry out for mercy from the son of David. Or maybe you would shout like the crowds as Christ entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Hosanna, Hosanna. It was John the Baptist who saw straight through to the heart of Jesus coming. John was busy baptizing, fielding questions until he saw Jesus. John 1, 29 tells us just the sight of him brought forth a proclamation that is still heard round the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what grace that that includes you. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.